Blog Talk Radio. College edition, the last second shot, the voice of women's basketball. I ain't beat that case. I did the race. Free take case. Yo, here you go, bro. <laughs> Free that man. He gave us the race. <laughs> no, but seriously, I don't <laughs> condone anything that he did. And, um, you know, hopefully the justice system works itself out. But had to get that disclaimer. I'm not trying to mess up the back. Not trying to mess up the bag. Me and Eric have been having a lot of bag talk lately. We're not messing that up. Got to secure it first. Right, we ain't got it. We ain't got it yet, y'all. It's coming though. It's coming. Just it's wait. It's coming. It's coming, and I might sell out. I don't know. Eric will be the one to keep it real. I'll be the one to. I I am. (laughs) Eric will be the one to keep it real. I'll be the one to sell out. That's balance. Yeah, we're we're all about balance these days. You know, man. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for joining us again, man. This is the last second shot. Our pro. Um, in college edition, yo, we got a great episode ahead for y'all, and um, you know, let's just well, we're gonna discuss a lot of these things. Um, once our guest gets on, um, OG in the game, Sue Favors, uh, my editor at uh, the Women Hoops World dot com, uh, one of the best in the game, one of the the cornerstones in the media for women's basketball. But let's talk about this right now. Um, I witnessed um, just a few nights ago what I might say is the best WNBA regular season game that I've ever witnessed. That I've ever witnessed, not that ever happened, um, because there, you know, there's some WNBA games that I haven't um, seen. But Indiana versus Minnesota a few nights ago was just – that was amazing. That was an amazing game, okay? The, the I mean, the fever came in well below 500, very well below 500, okay? A team that we're looking at where, you know, Pokey is in, in, in the first year as the head coach, um, Maybe the Fever thought it was going to be a better season than it is. They found themselves coming up against a powerhouse. But, man, was that a crazy game, Eric? Oh, that was a, that was that game was nuts. 
that game was nothing. Nah. I, don't, I don't think anybody saw it going the way it did. I, I mean, now to be all inclusive, there was no Lindsey Whalen, but Simone Augustus was back. And if you, if you, and I, I know I keep saying this, and this might just be me um, subconsciously plugging my Twitter. Um, but if you don't follow me on Twitter uh, at Sports Spoken Real, but if you follow me on Twitter and you've been following me on Twitter, um, you know that I've been saying that the links are good right now but they need to find a way to insert some young pieces, some young good pieces, and and bring them up slowly. They haven't been that great at that. So now you see the injury book starting to hit them where it's not the, just, it's not the whole Justice League anymore. You know, you send in, uh, you send in Wonder Woman, Superman, and, and uh, Green Lantern out there, Flash and, and Batman chilling. They can't go, you know what I'm saying? Now, that's, that's still enough to beat a lot of people, but now, you know, if the right villain gets there, they can give them a run for their money. That's what happened. Um, Augustus came back. You know, she did her thing in the clutch. I, and honestly, man, I, this is a whole different topic, but Simone Augustus in the clutch, if I got to tell, she might be top five for me ever as far as WNBA. If I got to tell somebody to get me a bucket in that crunch time, she's, she, that crossover package that she goes to when it's time to get that bucket is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't, I, I can probably name two or three players that I would rather tell close the game for me in WNBA history over Simone Augustus. No, she definitely is one of the big-time performers. I mean, that goes back to her LSU days, and the handle is just, you know, impeccable. I mean, she's probably the – to me, probably, as far as pro goes, as far as WNBA goes, probably the best ball handler that I've seen uh, in the WNBA. That I've yeah, as, as, far as, as, far, as far as handles and crossover package, there's not anybody who who I know for for certain can uh, can uh, outdo her. I mean, you know, you could probably go to somebody like a, a you know saying a Nikki Teasley back in the day but even you know even though she's a I think she's a close second even still isn't that like Simone Augustus the, the snatch back the is she, is she want to go to it she got the sham she got the sham god in her in her pocket um yeah yeah um I'm hard-pressed to find somebody with a better handle than her. But aside from that, what do you think went wrong? for the? It, I don't want to say what went wrong, and I'm not going to make an excuse for a team who lost, but the Lynx have been going hard very all season, very, very hard all season. This, this is only their third loss. So I am 
I am going to put some of this on fatigue. Um, but if you had to point to the sole reason that the fever pulled it out, what, what are we saying here? Um, I would say, and I know it's, you know, it's, it's typical to say, oh, the person who scored the most points is the reason, but I really think Candace Dupree is the reason. Nobody, you know, Minnesota never figured out a way to put out her fire. You know what I'm saying? You know, we haven't seen that Candace Dupree. I, I, you know, I told Darren this, you know, um, right, I, I think we told each other right after the game was over. And I said, yo, I haven't seen that Candace Dupree in probably at least five years. I haven't seen her. Like, that was an explosion. I haven't seen that Candace Dupree in five years. Like She was absolutely. reminded you how good she she was and still is. She was absolutely unconscious on that court. Like there wasn't there wasn't a change in in the face. It was just bucket. Okay, give me another one. Bucket. And and she's been in this league for a while. She came into the league in '06, um, either '06 or '07. Um, so she's definitely uh, and she was drafted by the sky. I think early on you definitely saw. That was more frequent early on from her, okay? Um, you know, she is older. She's 32, you know, and I hate to say that's older, but, you know, in, in WNBA years, that's that's a little it's a little different, you know? So, you know, and then, of course, when she was playing with the Phoenix, that's not her show. That That's not her show. That's, that's Diana's team. It has been for quite some time. So... The resurgence of of her with Indiana. I don't want to say resurgence, like you know she was just gone, but obviously you're you're not gonna be, you know. And she's she's still a six time WNBA uh, All Star, so I don't want to say you know I don't want to say like she's just been down and out, but she was the man in that or the woman in that game, just just absolutely carrying that team and. And there was nothing anybody could do, you know, and and I, I kind of feel for, for Reeves and, and the coaching staff because I, I've, you know, as a coach, you know, putting my coaching hat on now, I've been on the other side of that before where somebody just gets going and you're like, it's in the double team matter, okay, that'll stop her. And then that double team doesn't work, you're like, well, you know, help. <laughs> help defense, where are you at? The help doesn't work. It's it's frustrating. But now that kind of puts the links in the situation where you just you regroup, you know, as they did. They got a win last night. Um and maybe and maybe now that you got that third loss, you don't have to chase you don't have to chase the, the WNBA record um for the best record, you know, ever. Maybe you can lay back and, and rest some of those key players. Um, and obviously, this is a different league than the NBA. So, resting players, you know, could really be negative for a team. But when you have so many stars like the Lynx do, um, 
you can still rest some of your stars and stagger that and and put out a competitive team. Or maybe they go for the record. Who knows? No, nah, I mean, I'd rather them, and, 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 you know, you know me, I, you know, don't, you know, favor the whole um, resting thing. But when you have players who are older and coming off injuries, you know, or still have those nagging injuries, I think that's when I think rest is, you know, really beneficial and help your team Listen. in the longer view than just, you know, the short view trying to get wins. In the regular season, when you're, you know, it's pretty much written you're going to finish up as the top team in the league. So you might as well have those players healthy, you know, for the playoffs. Everybody's going to be injured and whatever, you know, hurt or, you know, tired during the playoffs. But, you know, you want to be as rested as possible, and as healthy as possible. So I think resting, resting a couple players here and there will be conducive. Listen, I think. Um, you hold Wayland out as long as it takes for her to get 100%. Um, the Lynx are a really different team without Lindsey Wayland. Um, you know, and and her her getting older, you have, you have to treat that as such, okay? Um, we know everybody's belief in, in Lindsey is, is high um, as, as is mine, and I'll never doubt her ability. Um, but my favorite player is Kobe Bryant. <clears throat> ever. He's my favorite athlete ever. But, you know, everybody kind of saw him as this machine and him not resting sometimes, never taking those games off, always, you know, always carrying the team. It, at the end of his career, it, it killed him. It absolutely, it absolutely killed him. It, it probably, and I'll say if, if Byron Scott doesn't doesn't kill him that last season that Byron Scott actually coached him. He's probably still playing today. I, I'm I'm just gonna be honest about it. And so, and I mean, also I'm, I'm gonna be honest and say that you know, you know, not to dive too far in the NBA, but I, I want to bring this all back home. I'm gonna say that that roster wasn't built for Kobe to be able to rest either. The Lynx kind of have a roster where Lindsey can rest or, you know, take more time um, to heal. But also, this is where I, I started off with saying that they need to find a way to – they need to find a way to infuse some younger talent onto that team. Now, obviously, we've seen that they've been doing some things with their draft picks where they're starting to give away their first-round draft picks, basically. Um, I don't I don't want to say give away, but um, they're starting to they're, – they're starting to strategically trade those draft picks for other assets. And they're taking a bunch of second-rounders who – oftentimes don't make it out of training camp or, you know, they're not there for the whole year so they can keep their core intact. And, you know, obviously every team is is searching to be profitable. 
Um, so you know, it's is really is really savvy with with the cap. But the long run, if you still want to have a good team, you know, a couple years, I I don't know how many years Simone Augustus still has in there. Okay, I'm not I'm not here to speculate about it either. Um, but realistically. I don't know how many years Lindsey Whalen has in there because we have to, you know, and I was just telling Eric, um, our our audience and the people who listen to us um, are fairly new women's basketball fans. So, you know, it, it takes some explaining. But for years of being out of college, a WNBA player plays way more basketball than a man's player. So their offseason isn't really an offseason. And then if you're playing on the Olympics team or you're playing for your country's team, it's really different. It's, it's different. You, you're, pro- you're probably playing double the amount of basketball uh, that a man's player plays, um, a man's uh, basketball player does. So with that being said, the Lynx have to find a way to, you know, not make their core young, um, but they need to make their team younger and uh, – and that way, once people start retiring, you're not looking lost. And you're never going to look trash because you have Maya Moore, who I think a lot of people don't agree with this because she doesn't get all of the accolades and she doesn't do a lot. I still think Maya Moore is the best pound-for-pound player um, in women's basketball. I mean, certainly in the argument, certainly in the argument, I mean, um, I would go with Candace Parker. You know, hey, everybody has their own opinion. But as far as the Lynx go. Of course you would, Mr. Vile Man. More on that later. Mr. what? Mr. Vile Man. Okay. Anyway. change Change your Twitter name to Volunteer Eric. All right, here we go. Anyway, back to the Lynx. They do need to get younger. That's one thing. I, I think they need to probably have a a, a, San, a San Antonio Spurs type of, of approach. You know, they're they're never going to look trash because they have, you know, all-star caliber players and Hall of future Hall of Famers. And, you know, they develop those young guys to – take the place of the guys that's on their way out or already out, that already retired or, you know, is retiring in, you know, the next year or two. And I think that's what the Lynx have to do. You know, whether it be a first-round pick, late first-round, whatever, or a second-round pick, they need to find a way to get some young players or make a, you know, sign somebody or, you know, in a tra- you know somehow in a trade, you know, get a young, a, a, a young player that will fit what they do. I mean, without a doubt, um, and obviously that's thinking uh, really far ahead. Um, you know, we're talking about the the next two seasons or so. But you know, I'm saying all that to, to say the links might not be. Oh um, no, let me rephrase this: the links dynasty might be closer to the end. Um, than it is to being in the middle. 
right? Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, like I said, I still think Maya Moore is the best player uh, in women's basketball, and obviously that's debatable. Um, and Sylvia Falls is is I mean, I don't think I don't think there's a way she doesn't win WNBA MVP this year. Um, but like I said, what happens when you break up that band? Um, it's just it's just gonna be it's gonna be a little different. It's gonna be a little different, and um, I don't want to harp on that too much. Uh, more on the WNBA. More on the WNBA right now. Um, last night was uh, one of the nights that uh, the WNBA had their games uh, streamed live on Twitter. Um, and obviously that's huge for the WNBA um, because so much so much of, of advancing as a league is um, is basically getting your product out there. So, you know, they're only on ESPN or ESPN2 a few times a season. Um, and, but this thing with Twitter is really amazing, man. Like, you know, obviously I have the league pass, so, you know, I get to catch a lot of games. But, like I said, everybody who doesn't know that they won't really want to invest in the league pass, to be able to sit there and watch all those games on Twitter, listen, last night was pretty fun. Um and and just to uh just to run down everything that happened, uh the Lynx bounced back from that loss. Um they beat the Atlanta Dream eighty one seventy two. Uh Sylvia Falls, listen, twenty seven points, thirteen rebounds. Crazy game from her. Maya Moore uh was second in scoring. Uh she had uh fifteen points, four assists and three rebounds. And um and it was just a good team win. I mean, it wasn't a blowout, 81-72. Um, I, I like and, – and I like the moves that the Dream have been making. Now, it might not seem like it's paying off because they're 10-16 and 16 this year um, and we're near the end of the season. But listen, man, they have some pieces on that team. When Brittany Sykes really figures – out everything um, as far as being a professional player um, and, and getting to her spots and realizing that she's faster than most people in this league, um, that's going to be dangerous. They just acquired um, Amani Boyette. She didn't play a lot last night, only three minutes, um, and she didn't do much. But look for Amani Boyette in, in the coming season to be that player for the dream. Before this guy traded her, I was talking – about her in the running for more, most improved, um, and I don't think she's going to win that, but she's made a leap in her game, and she's crazy athletic. She scored a ball. I, I think the world of Imani Boyette. The Dream have quietly, they've quietly assembled a little core that going forward can be scary on top of where they'll be to, you know, where where they'll uh the players that they'll get in the off season. Um, obviously, they traded away a draft pick, so that's a little different. But you know, moving on, uh, the Fever lost to the Liberty. Liberty won by five points. That was a good game. That was a really good game. Um, man, uh, Wheeler, Willard, let's talk about it. 
she real Erica Wheeler really went off last night. Um, thirty three points. She didn't do a lot of passing because she didn't need to do it. Um, but you know, that didn't get them the win. Um the Liberty they just were paced. Um, Tina Charles, twenty six points. You know, that's that's light work for her. She's a legend. That that's that's really light. Um heart you know, Hartley had a really good game as far as like pacing everybody. She's just a real leader, man. Just a real leader. Um, so the Liberty. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to be the the Bill Line Beer stand. If there's a team that can just sneak in to the playoffs, and all bets are off if they get rolling at the right time, it's the New York Liberty. <laughs> It is the New York Liberty. Thirteen and twelve. You have a head coach and GM who's been there before. Who? And I, oh man, man, uh, people are gonna kill me because they're just gonna say I'm making hot takes today. Bill Lambert is the best coach that has ever coached in the WNBA. And now is that part of? Bill is, is he not? If Bill Lambert doesn't quit, quit the 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 shock. To pursue, I mean, obviously he didn't say he was pursuing the the Detroit Pistons job, but us being in the city of Detroit, we know exactly why he quit um, the shop. He had he probably has maybe maybe two more rings if he if he doesn't quit. That shock dynasty is that shock dynasty was. I don't want to say it was solely built on on Bill Lambeer and his coaching job, but I, I, I he was he was a bigger part of it than than the roster. No, I would agree with you on that, but I would agree with you on that. But we really and the shot did have a dynasty. Like there's, there's you know, a lot of people they, they had as one of they the, had a dynasty. The, the, the dynasties that get glossed over, you know. But we can throw Van Chance four. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. You you moved away from your mic. As a, we have you know, we can throw Van Chancellor into that discussion. He has the first four championships. Of the league, straight. <laughs> we can do that. I'm not, and I'm not making a call. I'm not making that call, but I'm. Just, I just, I just, I just, I just like messing with Darren for all the, y'all who don't know. I just like messing with. Look, come on, I'm not man. making that call. We, we all know the league. It, I don't think it's really a discussion. The league wasn't balanced as it was when Bill Lambeer and the Shock went went on that that wave. When, when Bill started winning, there were more teams in the league, and it, it was just balance. You didn't have because there was more teams. The talent was more spread out. You you had to go out there and win. Now, did he have Deanna Nolan and Swin Cash on the same team? Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> I'm not going to argue. And let's that. not and let's not forget Shell Ford and Ruth Riley. And Katie Smith. Well, listen. But listen. 
and here's here's the mark of, of somebody being great. What did the shot do after he left? True. It wasn't good. It was not good. It wasn't at all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna bring up when they moved because that by that time that's a totally different team. But yes, but those couple years where they were still in Detroit and and Bill left, listen, man, it was, that that wasn't good. That just was Yeah, that wasn't. I I didn't want to go to the game, and I I I loved going out to Auburn Hills to watch the shop. And I live in the city of Detroit, people. So Auburn Hills is not a not a far drive, but that's not a drive that you just take. You know, that's not a drive that you willingly take to see a, a losing team. That's That's why the Pistons are moving back downtown Detroit. But even when they started losing, I still wanted to go out there and watch them. But once it got so bad, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that trip, that trip to um, Auburn Hills is going to be a no. It's a no for me." <laughs> I mean, would you make the same argument for the Houston Comets? They went on a little. They they weren't the same when Chancellor was out of there. Now they still had Cheryl Swoops. Which made them okay, but come on, it wasn't the same. Not nearly as close. Not nearly Eric, as close. Being it, it was it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same because more of the women hoopers around the 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 world were coming to play in the WNBA. <laughs> Look, I'm not even I'm not even taking away from the Houston Cowboys. I think. I really do think that's probably the best team, and we're gonna. Talk, I'm gonna ask Sue about this because um, obviously I was only like four or five when they were really popping. So I'm gonna ask Sue about this, but I do think they're they're top two, and they might not be number two. In the eleven years that they were a team, they have how many championships? Four? Four. 97, 98, 99, 2000. Right. They didn't win after the 2001. But, you know, obviously the band broke up and, you know, and Chancellor, uh, he, he, well, Chancellor stayed there till 06. Did he? Was it that long? Yeah, yeah, Chancellor was there till '06, then left for uh, LSU. Right, and right, then right. Um, and, and then Carlene Thompson was there for for the the last year, for the last the very last season. Listen, I just I this is a great question when Sue when Sue Favors gets gets on, I'm gonna ask her who who is she taking between. Uh, the Houston Comets, the Detroit Shock, and um, and, and the Minnesota Lynx, because I think those are the the three real dynasties that the WNBA has ever experienced. Now, obviously, 
You can throw the sparks in there. Um, but I don't know if they're a dynasty. I don't. But they're they're easily the most recognizable um, WNBA franchise in the league. But that's because that's the Los Angeles effect. But I don't know. I don't know I mean, if you can many, call them a dynasty. Do they have? The the Sparks have they have three. Hmm. Hmm, this this is a good question. Um, the Sparks have O one, O two, and then they go fourteen years without one, and they get one in twenty sixteen. Right. Yeah, no, nah, no, I can't, I can't call them a dynasty. No, I can't either. They, I mean, they, no, I, I'm, I just wanted to know. No, I, I just wanted yeah. to know. I can't. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that was me thinking myself through, through the question. Um, but I will, I will say that they are a consistent team who hasn't been bad. I don't, you know, I, I, they just haven't been that team where, you know, you like, yeah. And 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 I, obviously, if if the Sparks win that three peat, because I think they went back, they they went back to the, uh, yeah, they went back to the the finals in um in '03, and that and that's when that's when Bill Lambeer got his first one. Yeah. And that was Detroit Shock's first year in the league, right? Yeah. That wasn't their first yeah. that wasn't their first year in the league. But that was your that was the first championship. That wasn't their first year though. No, no, they were they were there in ninety eight. But that I mean that was their yeah. first um appearance in the in the um in the finals. In the finals. And that's when the shock beat them, and obviously, if, if the Spark win that third, we're probably talking about them as, as a dynasty. Um, but you know, fourteen years without being in a championship, I'm I'm not calling you a dynasty. It's, sorry. Um, yeah. So I will say that. Um, yeah, I, I, that, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation to have with Sue uh, once we uh, have her on. Uh, we're going to take a little Brandon break. This is the Last Second Shot podcast. Uh, Last Second Shot, the magazine is coming. Um, and if you don't listen to our high school show, um, we are putting together a magazine. Um, is is strictly for the prep, the preps. Um, you know, we're going to have a, a good story to highlight uh everything that we've been doing been seeing in the midwest uh the first issue is really going to be a lot of michigan um but hey watch us grow watch us grow and, and it's going to be it's going to be something special um the way that the magazine grows we, we got a good vision for it um but that's coming this fall uh i don't know are we are we are we saying oct- late october or are we saying early november I don't know. Um, I don't know. Early November. That's probably early November. Whatever. But 
Um, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Last Second Shot. Man, we put out a slew of mixtapes over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we got Ashley Premis, a, a 2018 forward um, state champion, um, really good player. Amani Wright, really good player. We got footage from the infamous uh, Ohio-Michigan border battle. Make sure y'all check that mixtape out. A lot of great players, a lot of future WNBA players on that tape. We'll revisit it once they all get drafted, too. Uh, that will be like the 2023 20, draft or something. I'm, I'm going to pull that video out for a throwback Thursday. Um, and uh, and we also dropped the One Nation mixtape, one of the best uh, AAU programs in the nation. Um, ooh, did you see that pun there? You see what I did there? You see what I did there, Eric? <laughs> we dropped that mixtape, and it got some legs, man. Last time I checked, last time I checked, it was it was at twenty five hundred. Last time I checked, it was at twenty five hundred views. Um, man, I'm hoping that we can get it to five thousand soon. Oh, oh, I'm checking it right now. It's at twenty nine hundred. So it's moving, man. Thanks, thanks y'all, thank y'all for checking it out. Um, follow Eric on Twitter, Quiet Storm. Quiet underscore storm thirty. Follow me, sports spoken real. Follow the uh, follow the uh, the last second shot page at last second shot underscore. But yeah, man, we um we working. A lot, a lot, a lot of working. I think like our our our, our producers are nuts, man. Like, these people are really nuts. Like, they just tell us to do everything. Like, <laughs> they say jump, we just say how high. Like, we don't even, like, ask what it is anymore. Like, we, we just out here working. That's all we doing. Yeah, man. So, with all of that being said, um, we're going to switch gears um, to the college ranks. Okay. Um, so nationally, the 2017 class is one of the deepest recruiting classes I've ever seen since um, recruiting has been tracked, um, you know, as it is now. Um, so a lot of teams that I don't want to say weren't good last year, but a lot of teams that struggled last year went out and got players, really good players. Um, so, Eric, when, when you see when you see those teams that, you know, fit the mold that I just spoke of, what team comes to mind that you think um, can jump from mediocrity or just average to really um, – in that elite level where we're talking about them maybe making an elite eight? Um, I would say I would say Louisville. Um, and here's why. I mean, they, they they have the best, you know, point guard in that class and Dana Evans, and I think that would make a, a world of a difference. I, I know they, you know, they lost um, uh, a, a really good way and more, you know, it's a transfer, but 
I actually think well, that was well, actually good for him. I think Lex is more. Excuse, no point well, in my question is, does Dana Evans come right in and start? I mean, you know, that's that's kind of my worry about it. Obviously, we've seen her. We saw her up close and in person um, a few times. Um, but, you know, and this is just me speculating. I feel like you have to start her. But, you know, they do have another point guard on that team who – wasn't a slouch coming out of high school. And obviously, you know, I I voiced how I didn't think um Asia Durr had gotten much better. Um but after a few uh discussions with a few people, they assured me, you know, she was battling through some injuries and she still had a lot of uh basketball to learn. But, you know, now this is gonna be her senior season. Yeah. Is this her senior season? Okay. So, you know, can they – and obviously this is college, so everybody doesn't have to play. There isn't, you know, this big, oh, everybody, she waited her turn. But do you sit down your – or I don't want to say sit down because obviously you can find a way to have Dana and Asia on the court at the same time. But do you really say – Hey, we're gonna take the ball out of your hand as your dirt and give it to Dana Evans. Now, I, I think Dana Evans is an immediate uh, impact player. I don't have any. I have actually no objection to that. But my thing is, how does Louisville manage that? Because they haven't been the best with. I mean, they've gotten a lot of talent over the years. They've even out recruited infamous recruiters a few years. But how do you get that into being a very good team? Well, I think I guess I think less is more for them. You know, I, I think, you know, they were really, really guarding wing heavy and I think with Evans coming in that you know, that can allow Asia Dirt to not handle as much of the playmaking duties. You know, you could say that for Dana, who's more of a pure playmaker. And she can, you know, Asia can play the more of the the, the scoring uh, guard role, you know, who still makes plays like the James Harden. Really more of a scorer, but is, 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 a, is a darn good playmaker as well. I think she get you know, she won't have as much responsibility in the playmaking department. And then also, you know, they picked up a, a, a six three post as well, which they, which is a need for them. You know, and uh Loretta Calcala who uh incoming freshman as well. So I think adding another dimension to that team, you know, so going away from being so guard oriented to now you probably have a more four out one in or, you know, maybe a you know, three out two in or a dame style they could really make some things happen and probably, you know, sneak their way into a Sweet 16, Elite 8. You know, we've seen Waltz make those, you know, epic Final Four runs. So I think Louisville will probably be that team that goes from just okay to, you know, we got to take them kind of seriously. I'm just, I'm just not a believer in it. Um, you know, I've, I've seen enough with, with 
Louisville to to know that if they couldn't get it done with uh, their last two or three recruiting classes, um, I'm just not going to buy into it. Um, you know, God bless them. I I think, you know, I think the world of, of what the coaching staff has done, um, but from the outside looking in, um, I don't think any recruiting class is going to save that. Uh, uh, what they're trying to do. Um, I think it's something schematically that they need to figure out. But, you know, hopefully I don't get attacked for that, but that's just my personal thought. Um, so, for me, and I know I just picked that, Eric, um, but I think when you look at Tennessee's recruiting class, now, Diamond DeShields left. Um, I think she would have been great to lead in this, this younger team. But Mercedes is still there. I think what Tennessee did was great. They went to Georgia. Uh, they got Cassiana, and I cannot pronounce her last name. Um, saw her on the circuit a few times last year. Um, Sits for a post player uh, who should have good minutes behind Mercedes. Um, they went and got a 6-2 wing player in Renia Davis, really versatile. They went and got Anastasia Hayes, okay? She's going to she's gonna be the one. She's going to be the one. I, I know she was – I think Hoop Girls had her as the number three-point guard uh, in the class. Um, listen, I – yeah, she for sure top three. I can't. I can't. Def, I can't say that she's better than Dana. Dana Evans is is a little different, but Hayes has that that great balance of, of scoring um, between scoring and setting up that you really like to see. Very efficient. And then they went and got another six foot guard uh, from Oregon. They went over to the West Coast and grabbed one in Vina uh, Westbrook, um, and you know she's. She was rated uh was she rated number one? She's number one in the class on ESPN. She's she's rated number one. Um so they went and got her from the West Coast over USC, uh Notre Dame, Maryland, Oregon State. Like, you know, they really went and got her. Um and, you know, just from what I could see, I I never got to see her play um up close and personal. Um but I did watch her at the Boo Williams um in, in last year. She 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 has that playmaking ability, um, where it's kinda scary. Um, but I don't know if they asked and this is gonna be interesting if they because we just talked about this. Now do they start her or do they start Anastasia? Because they're they're rated as two of the top three guards or point guards in that class. That's yeah. I don't know if correction of Vina Westbrook was number two, but that's a that's a good problem to have though. You know, I don't, you know that's not a that's not a bad thing <laughs> to decide. You know, and I'm sure it's going to be lineups where they they play together, and you know you look at what Tennessee's getting in that class: number two player, number twelve player, Arena Davis, and you know you you go down, you know then. Number two, number twelve, 
and the list goes on, you know, I, I obviously the shake up to be, you know, arguably the best recruiting class in the country, you know, between them and UConn. Does this Garrett, recruiting class on paper, they're probably the the team best equipped to make that jump from middle of the pack to not just an elite eight, but with the returners and with that class on final four. Does this recruiting class save Holly Warlick's job? Well, I mean, let, let's, just, let's just get to it. Excuse me, what did you say? Can you repeat that? I said, does this recruiting class save Holly Warlick's job? Um, I think it can. Now, if you're putting the gun to my head and say, give me an answer now, um, def- a definite answer now, I would have to lean towards yes. Um, but it's a lot of demand, though. They have to win the SEC. There's no losing to Mississippi State. There's no losing to a South Carolina. Even though South Carolina's coming off a national championship, there's no losing to them. You know, and they have to go deep in that tournament. They can't bow out in a second round, or they can't bow out in a – they can't even bow in the Sweet 16. They have to go deep. At, at minimum, at the very minimum of the Elite Eight, at, at the very minimum, there is no – you know, obviously, you know, if you listen to us before even last year, where, you know, when we were just doing high school, you know that Dan's an Ohio State fan and I'm a South Carolina, Tennessee fan. You know, really delving into that Tennessee, you know, into the people of Tennessee, you know, it's at minimum in Elite Eight for Hollywood. At minimum. But do I think she, it can save her job? Yes, I think it can. I really think it can. That's a very talented bunch. Yeah, yeah, listen. I think if they're if that recruiting class is down there right now, um obviously the uh obviously the the summer workout period just ended for all of NCAA um basketball. But if if that recruiting class is down there buying in, um they're following the the seniors or the upperclassmen's example of of what it takes to be a, a competitive team, and they're completely bought in. I I think I think Holly Warwick can breathe a little after this season, even if they don't win a national championship. Because I don't see anybody beating UConn this year. I think they have another undefeated season, and that's just that's my word. But we Tennessee can make it. Tennessee can Tennessee can finesse their way to a, a title game depending on how the bracket plays out. Oh yeah, I mean if they make it to a title game, then she can breathe not only easy, they she can breathe heavy. She can breathe a lot. She can take, it'd be like uh you know, it'd be like uh for you, you know, movie buffs, it'd be like next Friday, you know, the scene where they they, they, they just taste better, you know. Taste there, taste good. You know she can do all that, and then make it to a title game. Well, I think, and and I might be the the person who, you know, I I don't give Holly any leeway just because I'm naturally a a, a picky person um, when it comes to coaches. But 
I'm one of the people in the 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 pundits who think that if Howie makes it to an elite eight and loses, but it's still a a really good season like she did win the SEC, that elite eight game was was close and and with the young team she fought hard. I'm still of the thinking Tennessee might say, hey, look, ain't nobody else out there on the market. You you know we gonna up you up again. We gonna we gonna give you a few more years. We gonna see what these young ones can do. But it has to look. Good. But I think outside of the results, of course, if you're an athletic director, especially at Tennessee, Tennessee does not have anything right now. Their football team gets hyped up every year, then they disappoint everybody. Their bas their men's basketball team hasn't been good in a really long time. Their women's team is the only thing that they can have right now. So, obviously, results are wanted. Results are probably needed. But I think that if you're an AD, you kind of have to look and say, okay, I, uh, you know, I, I like, I like how things are headed now. Because I will say, even though Tennessee has never not been a bad team, it's been disappointing. I think as long as you don't go out there and disappoint, like last year during the regular season, it was some Tennessee games where I'm pretty sure the fans just was like, all right, I'm turning this off. I'm I'm okay with it. So I I think as long as Holly finds a way to make her young ones. I don't want to say appear, but to make it known that those young players are gonna is gonna be the start of Tennessee being Tennessee again. Then, you know, I, I don't know necessarily if the Final Four is needed if they look the part. But if you have one of those mediocre seasons, just know, just know, Holly Warlick. You have to be coaching for your life in that tournament game. Coaching for your life. That's, that's it. But and we keep on. We keep veering so off topic, man. It, it's it's good talk, but man, we keep veering so off topic. Another recruiting class that I think can uh, that I think can really do something um, next year. Duke. Duke. They made a little bit of noise, three ESPN top 100 commits, um, and then they got a player who I thought was a little bit underrated coming out of high school, and I was surprised by that because, you know, she plays in California, and, and you know, usually, it, it, Eric, well, you know this. If you're a player in California, you're, you're kind of good. They're kind of going to boost your stats. They're they're gonna boost your rankings um, as far as um, where they put you on the recruiting board, and especially playing at a at a at a school like Modern Day. Um, Modern Day was ranked number one in the nation for a couple years, weren't they? Yes, they were. Well, a lot of years actually. Seems like they, they <laughs> for a few yeah for a few team. years in a row. Um. So they have Jay Williams coming in from uh from Texas, the um six four big or forward. 
Um, I think you saw her play, Eric, uh, in person. Yeah. Um, they have they have Michaela Boykin um, from North Carolina. Um, I I saw her play last year, um, and she she absolutely did some strange things to my team. Um, it was one of those nights where I just went to the hotel room and didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> then then they have another big who sits for um, coming from Missouri, Madison Treese. Um, you know, she's ranked high in the ESPN, um, top top 100. Um, she's ranked as, like, the number nine post out of any post in the country. And then they have Jada Adams, who was put on that national stage a lot during her high school career. And, you know, I think I, I think she's really good. You know, I've watched her play um, a few times. And I think that she's going to be a, a very good player. Obviously, um, I mean, not as high on the recruiting board as, as her counterparts, but somebody who can definitely um, get on that stage for Duke. And I wouldn't even say Duke is bad, but in the ACC, it's hard. It, it's hard. But I think definitely those four recruits um, for Duke, can man, they can they can do something. No, they can't. They can't. You know, um, probably more overlooked uh, class that they have coming in, but that's going to be um, a young group that's going to just rumble. The, the like, ACC you know, nobody has a lot of. Now, nobody's really checking for him. Nobody, you know, nobody's really looking out for him. There's no big hoopla around him. They're just gonna get. They're just gonna get down and rumble. And, and as as we close this segment down, um, because our producers are telling us that Sue, um, they have Sue on the line. The ACC has a lot of young talent. Call me biased. I might be a little bit. I think Kiara Fletcher at Georgia Tech wins Freshman of the Year. She's that good. Um, whatever. <laughs> like you know, that that's that's my thoughts um, on that. Um, but as I said, um, producers are telling me that we have Sue on the line. Listen, one of the best, like one of the best in, in women's basketball media. Um, and then just as far as media, period. Yo, like when she was editing my articles, this is why the magazine is gonna be so good when we when we release it because it was a it was a few articles that I wrote where I was like I killed this. Did I did I read it? I was like, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't, but it it all made me better. Um, and nah, I'm I'm serious. Like I was like, okay, I see I see where I did wrong with that, but it all made me better and um, just a really good person. Um, and outside of being one of the best. Um, voices and writers for women's media. She's one of the she's one of the better voices for women. Period. Um, if you follow her on Twitter and, and if you even just seen some of her tweets, um, and I absolutely love it. Um, I introduce to you all Sue Favors. I'm gonna drop a bomb for her. Man, well, can you guys hear me? 
Yes. We hear you just fine. Okay, great. Um, There was just some noise there. Man, Darren, thank you so much, man. With an intro like that, I'm just going to drop the mic and go home. I'm done. I have nothing further to say for the rest of the day. Good night. No, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. No, I really appreciate that. That's some very kind things to say. Um, appreciate that. And uh, I really, yeah, I do have a, a passion for the game. Obviously, I kind of eat, sleep, and breathe it, and so um, really happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Okay. Listen, so me and Eric, uh, me and Eric, we had a, a conversation um, earlier in the show, and I this is kind of where we're just going to jump in at um, because we really sure. want this from your point of view. So no worries. I kind of made a I kind of made a statement in the show where I said. There's been about three dynasties in in the WNBA, honestly and truly. Mm. And I said the night. Okay. I said the Comets. I said the early yep. Houston Comets, the Detroit yep. Shock, and the Minnesota yep. Lynx. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't disagree with that. Who are we saying? Who are we saying is the better team out of all three of those? <sighs> oh man, you guys, you gotta go there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that's the, that's the um, you know, that, and that's a fun question. You know, that's kind of like the classic, um, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or whoever you want to compare in the NBA. The argument about, and, and it's just always so hard to make those those comparisons because it's different times and different ages. And I mean, you know, off top, I would say the Comets, but am I saying that because they were the first? You know, the the early days, the first, and we always look towards the first. I don't know. I mean, the four peat. It's pretty hard to beat, though. So I don't know. I guess I I would probably say I would probably say that. Plus, you know, they they just had the big three with uh, with Thompson and Swoops and Cooper, and so you know. But not to discount any of the other franchises, definitely because man, the Detroit Shock titles were so much fun, and um, the Minnesota Lynx are playing have been playing some unbelievable basketball the last several years. So I mean, not to take anything away from those at all. What do you all think? Well, I would say I was I would go with the Houston Comets, not only because of the three-headed monster and the four championships, but we've seen to leave out um, Kim Porat from Dallas or so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was arguably at that point, you know, outside of Tisha Pinachero and Don Staley, probably you know one of the best point guards of that time. You know, to very much so. Them, yeah, put those three in spots. You had three scores, and arguably the two yeah. best players in the league at that point. You yeah. needed somebody to distribute that ball because you know everybody thought, yeah, hey, we need they gonna need three balls just to shoot. Yeah. So that everybody yeah, I can't disagree with that. Equally, and she was ferocious on defense. Ferocious yeah, she was. In guarding other two point guards. Yeah. So so. The Detroit bad boy in me wants to say the Detroit shock, but I, you know, obviously, you know, I've been compared to Bill Lambeer as a coach, but uh, <laughs> no, really, that their words, not mine. But um, I think me, I, I'm hard pressed. I kind of think it's the links, but that's that's only because they have more off. I don't want to say more all-star level players, but I think 
they have more players on that squad where you're like, uh, this is a little unfair. I think Lindsey Whalen, Simone, yeah, yeah. and Fouls. I think that that's tough. That's really tough, man. Yeah. Um. And, yeah. And when the Sparks beat them, that's where I was like, wow. That like that's why I was like, that's one of the biggest. I don't want to say biggest upsets, but it was just like, wow, they really beat the Lynx. But yeah. yeah it's, it's, I think even the even the Sparks were shocked that they beat the Lynx just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, and that was huge for the league, really, because I mean, you know, obviously I'm I'm big on Twitter, so I was sitting there watching it, and then when I see you know all of my followers talking about a WNBA Finals game, I was like, wow, this is <laughs> this is really huge. <laughs> Wow. So, so was, yeah, I um, think it mo- they don't talk about that too much then, huh? No. No, um they don't. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, Oh no, what were you saying? Yeah. Sue? Oh no, I wasn't. I'm just listening to what you're saying, my friend. Oh, okay. So yeah, you know but I'm I'm glad we got that that out the way because that was just something fun we had jumped into at the top of the show. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's so wow. it's always fun to talk about dynasties and things for sure. Definitely. So moving on to something more current, um, the Team USA U23 team. Um, hey hey hey. <laughs> one, I mean, do you think? Do you think this is like a team? Whereas I don't want to say obviously we're going to be disappointed if we don't win gold, but do you think it's it's one of those situations where it's like if we don't win gold, is somebody needs to look at the staff or it, it's going to be a shock <laughs> to the world? Uh, man, that's a good question because the U19s just you know lost the title game, and so. I think yeah, probably you guys probably the if the U23 doesn't win, I think it will probably shock the world, um, and I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen. Um, but they have put together a really solid team, and you know obviously there's no Yukons and no Dukes on there because they have to travel and stuff, and so there's always that. But man, come on, man, we everybody knows that we are loaded in colleges across the country, and the team that they assembled there is full of all Americans right there, so. They should be able to pull off a title unless somebody gets injured or something really crazy happens, you know? Definitely. I, you know, I think, and this is just me personally, if Kelsey Mitchell is on your team, then you got a, you got a great chance of winning. That's Ohio State bumping uh, him. Listen. Well, I was going to give y'all. I got to give y'all a bad time because where everybody is, of course, uh, everybody's neutral, but everybody is sort of a little bit about their area. And I would say the same thing. If you got Jordan Canada, Monique Billings on your team, well, then clearly you're going to win. So, <laughs> you, you know, it's really interesting because Eric called me the other day and he said, "Yo, I think Monique Billings is going to be the unsung hero on this team. She's going to do some crazy things." And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I can see. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm of the thought that I, I think this is a, I think this is a must win, and, um, you know, I, t- I took some heat, um, because you know, 
uh, Jeff Walls, I, I think, you know, as far as his coaching career, you can't you can't take anything away from that. But over the last few years, some of the kids that I I saw up close and personal, him get off of the circuit, I just was kind of like, you're not really, you know, Louisville has kind of been stagnant, you know, after they pulled in those yeah. top recruiting classes. Um, so, you know, after I said that, you know, a lot of people are like, come on, man. The kids are still learning the game, whatever. And, you know, that's really mm-hmm. possible. But I think you can't you can't pull that with this U23 team. Well, yeah, and, I mean, you know, who knows, guys, what, what goes into USA Basketball's decision on who leads these teams. I mean, it's pretty much a mystery to everybody except USA Basketball. I have no idea, you know, why they chose the coaches they did or whatever, but um, – Hopefully, you know, they, they Michelle Clark Hurd is really amazing, and Courtney Bangard is, is uh, very talented, too. So, you, it seems like they're all working in tandem together. You know, he's given them a lot of praise online, and um, he's, he's, of course, he's going to use them. He's not going to ignore them as assistant coaches. So, you know, I'm just optimistic that between the three of them, they're going to be able to utilize all the strengths of the team um, to their best capabilities. Because they got a lot – I mean, they, they are guard-heavy, but – Obviously, uh, everybody is pretty multi-skilled these days, so I think they're going to be able to utilize what they have and um, and really, you know, give everybody give everybody their best and allow them to have the best performance possible. I I, no, I, I definitely hear you. Um, now, speaking of you know coaches, you know, uh, me and for the first two shows that is you know this you know since we started covering the. NCAA and WNBA, we talked a lot about Tennessee, and you know everybody mm-hmm. knows I'm a, you know, a Tennessee guy, and oh yeah, you know I, I know you know you're a, a, a huge Summit fan yourself. Now, do you think Holly Woolley is, is coaching for a job? You know, at this point with Tennessee being stagnant as well, you know, even though they've had some loaded, loaded recruiting classes. Um, you know. Uh, this might be her, her last season to quote-unquote prove herself. Um, she's had, this will be like, what, 13, 14, 15, 16. This will be year six. So, you know, she's got also, I believe, one of the top uh, two recruiting classes coming in. And so I think the pressure is definitely on uh, this year, probably even more so than the past few years. Um, so I would expect I would expect some things to really happen this year at Tennessee, and if they don't, there might be some changes. Yeah. No, I, I, you I know, think it's, so, it's, I think it's well, though. You know, and, with, no, what, you know, it's, it's just so weird because you've never seen Tennessee in that light where you know the off-season drama. So now, or you really don't see that with a lot of women's teams. So when it does happen, you're kind of like, okay. But I thought <laughs> when DeShield said, you know, when DeShield said she would return, and then on top of the recruiting class, I was like, okay, Holly, Holly's going to save her job this year. Holly's, Holly's going to mm-hmm. go far. But then, mm-hmm. then I mean, obviously the narrative is still being painted that Holly's coaching for her, her life or her coaching life, quote-unquote, um, but now that on top of the Shields getting the reported, the Shields fight that was recorded and put on social media at one point, um, but, you know, a lot of news outlets didn't catch on to that. Um, 
that's that's a weird place for Tennessee. They've never had a, a I don't want to call it a scandal, but you know, I guess that's the word we're going to use. Uh, they've never had a scandal um, of that nature. So, do you think that kind of adds to her having to be good? Um, you know, honestly, I don't, my man. I'm not not at that point. I think there might be a little bit more scrutiny. It's uh, it's really hard for for any school to keep pace with the rapidly changing social media landscape that we have out there. I mean, from working with kids myself in a school setting, you know, these kids will literally put up a video the minute they download it. And so, you know, um, I don't know if that would necessarily be used against her, but it, it, I guess I hadn't thought about it like that, but I guess it probably wasn't the best look, you know. Um, as far as pointing blame, I'm not sure if I want to do anything like that, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think for Tennessee fans, you know, and there are so many of them, I think Tennessee fans are just uh, kind of in a place where they, they, a lot of them are still missing Tat Summit. You know, they just feel like, you know, the, the legend is gone and everything. And, um, you know, it's just, they're just used to kind of seeing this uh, strange place that Tennessee's been in since she's gone and just not, um, you know, not being what Tennessee used to be. So, I mean, everybody's just hopeful that Tennessee can return. Back to the t- back to be an elite program that it was, you know, the basket what Pat Summit built it up as, and I'm I'm sure hopeful of that too, you know. Now with the with the drama, you know, you know, you never like I <laughs> say, you never really see you know headlines like this or drama like this surrounding not just you know college women's basketball, just women's basketball, women's basketball period. You know, mm-hmm. do you think that brings more? visibility to it because, you know, I, I remember my first, you know, conversation with you, you know, we talked about, you know, that in the past, and me and Darren talked about this on previous shows, that back in the, you know, back in the day, girls people watched, really avidly watched women's basketball like men, you know, like young boys watching the NBA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and how that has really dipped off, like, currently, you know, girls aren't really women's basketball buffs like they used to be. Now, do you think that, yeah. you know, the, the drama really brings more visibility? Is Or is it even, is that, and if it does, is that good? Or is that, a, you know, a bad thing? Mm, that's a good question. Um, there's a, Yeah, that what is that saying about attention is, whether it's good or bad, attention still attention? I don't know if I agree with that because um, I don't know about drama. I don't know. Um, that like that story ESPN came out with a couple weeks ago that angered everybody that said women's basketball needs more drama. Most most of the fans on social media, did you notice they said no? Um, I don't know. I don't think it necessarily. I think the drama. I guess I would agree with that. I don't think there necessarily needs to be off court drama. Everybody wants to see on court drama. And then back to rivalries. I think the sport needs drama. I think rivalries are fun. And I think if that was, you know. If the WNBA needs anything right now, it's it's some more good rivalries. Some, you know what I'm saying? And even college too, really, because there hasn't really been a good one for a while. Remember when Skyler was still with Notre Dame, and then, you know, Notre Dame had Connecticut, uh, you know, Connecticut's number for like a good couple of years. Like they just go up there and they just whip the crap out of them, and it's just like, wow, this is really, really a beasty little right, beasty little rivalry right now, and it's like. I think women's basketball all across the board could use some more rivalries, like on the court. You know, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's crazy that I mean I don't say crazy, but 
you know, it's interesting that you say that because I was just thinking right before you said that most of the rivalries in women's basketball stem from coaches and not players or teams, you know. So, and I mean, obviously, you know, um, and wow, we talked about a lot before you got on. Like, we were all over the place. But there, earlier in the show, and I wish I had the sound bite, um, I said, you know, part of what made the shock so appealing, appealing for a lot of people was Bill Lambeer. You know, obviously they had Deanna Nolan and they had a loaded squad, but, you know, the WNBA marketing, I know for sure here in Detroit, it was come watch Bill Lambeer-led squad take on, you know, so-and-so. And, it, I mean, do you think the WNBA has to get to a better place for marketing their players, or do you think maybe that blueprint could – still revive or, or bring something back if the coaches had little, quote, you know, rivalries again. Hey, you guys, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I, you, um, you lost me for a second. Can you repeat the question really quick? I, I apologize. Oh, no, I was just saying, like, you know, um, it's because um, – Okay, what did I say? Oh, I said, you know, a lot of rivalries over the women's um, basketball has stemmed from coaches, right, Like or like how they've been marketed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, like growing up when I was watching the Shock, you know, it seemed like they used to market Bill Lambeer more than they marketed Swing Cash and Deanna <laughs> Nolan. Um, <laughs> that's a good, that's <laughs> a good point, Yeah. That's, sadly, that's you know, a good point. Yes. <laughs> do you think? Do you think one? Do you think that's? I mean, I don't think it's a sustainable thing. But do you think um, maybe like coaches finding two good coaches who have good teams to go at it again probably brings more? And do you think one is that good for women's sports? You know, actually, um, actually, no. I think when the league first started, they did focus a lot on coaches. They had bobbleheads of coaches, for heaven's sakes. They gave away bobbleheads of coaches before they gave away the players. But now the focus is all on the players, and you don't hear too much about the coaches, which is as it should be. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a, it's kind of a sticky place because the league is so small that you tend to only hear about the star, the quote-unquote stars over and over again, almost to the point where some people say they get sick of hearing about these people. But then again, you need to have those stars and you need to build a brand and an identity for a team. Um, so there's, there's a middle ground. You gotta, you gotta push up everybody, but, and then definitely, definitely build your team's identity around those stars. And maybe that's, and maybe now I guess I'm kind of talking through this as we go. Um, but maybe that's what an, a good marketing approach for them would be is that they've built up the stars now they need to tie it to the team identity a little bit more. Like the links are pretty tied in there. Like when you when you hear Maya Moore, you know that that's the links. When you hear any of those names, Lindsey Whalen, any of that, you know that that's the links. Um, Candace Parker's been with the Sparks for a long time. You know that goes hand in hand. Same with NECA. But some of the other teams, you know, um, they 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 probably their identity. They could just make a stronger overall identity. You know, based from those stars, but on some other stuff like. The NBA has its themes, you know, with with different teams. So the WNBA yeah. probably use some th- team themes. You know what I'm saying? 
definitely. So of course, I mean, and I, um, like with me, I think you know, moving back to you know the marketing the players is really great because you know I remember you know the early commercials when the first you know you know where WBA first made its appearance onto the scene. You know, it was a real movement. You had those commercials. I, I still remember. I mean, I still remember being a How little old are you, little three year old. Huh? Excuse me. <laughs> how old? Are, how old are you that you remember that? The real, the real Ron wants to know how old you are, Darren. No, that's hey, Eric talking. This is Darren asking uh, Eric Sorry. how old is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I, I, I'm 23, but still, I remember this. Okay, I have the tape at home. <laughs> I have the tape at home. But uh, y'all, y'all are, y'all are really remember. funny though. You know, I, I love, remember. I love, I love silly people though. So continue, please. <laughs> no, we're like in all, in all seriousness though. I was, I remember being like a little three-year-old kid. You know, sitting, sitting, in the in the living room. You know, what I'm saying, now see Rebecca Lobo. Cheryl Soup and Lisa Levin <laughs> walking down the the the, wow. the, the, the the corridor. You know, you know they had on the the leather jackets and everything. You know, wow. You know, so yeah, I, I still it, remember that, that in the in the whole. You know, Cheryl Soup with little young Kyla Pratt in the playground video. You no, know, we got next and all. I still that was that those marketing wow. those marketing those those commercials were genius. I think we I think. You know the women's world need to get back to that. Those are genius. You know what? I, I gotta agree with you on that. And that is, that is that. No, I agree with you 100%. That would be. They need a good, strong marketing campaign like that. And uh, that is so cute that you remember that. See, those ads do make a difference, people. Everybody listening out there, they really do. Some little two, three-year-old kid could be watching, and you never know. I, I'm telling you all right now that Eric. <laughs> there's no way that Eric remembers that. I think he. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. I do not YouTube anything. I remember that I had the tape at home. I still had those tapes. That's why I, I first got my crush on Dawn Staley. Like I have a serious You're crush. You're so on funny. Place. Okay. I didn't. I didn't realize you were that young. Oh my god. I didn't realize you were that young though. Darren, only six months older than me. Sir, I am a year older than you. Like hey man, you know it's not even a whole year. Anyway, I don't, but, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the millennials, so it's all good. <laughs> but, but with, with that being said, <laughs> you know, and just talking about like maybe needing rivalries more. This, this has nothing to do with anything. Um, okay. Well, a little bit, but a matchup that I really want to see. Um, speaking of coaching rivalries, I, I want to see the UConn versus Duke game. I don't know why it hasn't mm. scheduled. I don't know why it that would hasn't be fun. scheduled. But I think after, you know, after Gino kind of got snazzy, um, <laughs> got snazzy <laughs> to the media about, about, uh, about the coach's comments about the transfer, I want to see it. I think that would be – I think it's easy to market if if you're ESPN or you know whoever would have it, and that's I mean that's yeah, UConn. Probably no, that'd be a that'd be a fun I'm matchup. I hadn't I hadn't <laughs> um I hadn't thought about that one, but that would be a fun matchup. I would love to see that for sure. 
No, that would that but, would be um, that would be really fun. I would enjoy that, even though you know, um, the 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 transfer question, <laughs> the transfer that we're talking about, would probably have about thirty five, and you know, you kind of win by fifteen, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and then Gino, Gino, Gino goes to the pub and talks some more trash, you know. Yeah, yeah as Gino, usual. Gino well, gets really snazzy. That's a nice way to put it. Um, we got we got Baylor and UConn coming to UCLA in November. So if you guys you know get any extra Thanksgiving money you want to spend, you know you should come on over and check it out. It should be good. We taking a trip, Eric? You gonna drive? Hey. First, first of all, first of all, we're from Sue. We're from Detroit. We don't have Thanksgiving money. That's Christmas. But. Um, <laughs> 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 We're talking to but, real Detroit people here, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm with it. If they're with it, I'm with it. I'm, I'm up for a trip to the West Coast. You're so funny. Yeah, yeah so it'll be you, probably a little warmer. Yeah, it'll be warmer, man. Trust me. That's no problem. Watch Kim Kim versus Dino is that's. Whoever wins that game, those comments are going to be fun as well. I, Actually, you know what? We do. Yeah, we need to see uh, – we do need to see uh, Baylor and UConn go at it. That would be funny. Anyway. You know, I, I'm i dying for Kim Mulkey to, to you know, give the, the post game. There's, there's still a, a big dog in uh, the Big 12 type uh, <laughs> uh, remark after the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but it's funny that we spoke about Gino as well. I think this is an easy segue because I kind of had had to jump in, you know, jump in a Twitter conversation between you and Eric, uh, maybe a month or so ago. I think that Gino oh, yeah. is the goat. I think he's the greatest okay. of all time. This Here is where we, we were. This is this is why Eric wanted me to um, jump in on this. Okay, go go ahead and tell us why. Oh, oh I have to start off. Okay. Yeah, you you well, you throw you throw it down. Why is Gino the best? It okay. So I think Gino is the best because he has, I mean, he has the winning streaks, all the separate winning mm-hmm. streaks. The okay. players, uh, the players that he's produced and put into the WNBA are probably he probably has like two or he probably has like three or four top ten players in the WNBA history to come from UConn. Yeah. Um, you look you look at you look at his head to head with Pat, the record against Pat. I think. Yeah. You know, I, I you know it's it's obviously positive. Now, where I do think he lacks, where he lacks, and this is just me being objective here, I think that Pat Summit definitely had more of an impact. Um, you know, just as far as the girls' game, because she made it, she made it more popular than Gino did. Gino kind of got there when when Pat had things running a bit. You know, but. Yeah. But I do think you look at his you look at his international record in, in the mm-hmm. World Championships and the Olympics. You know that's that's tough. That that's tough to beat out. Yeah. 
I can see that. I mean, I you know me. I got to be fair. And um, this is this is another you know, um, historical discussion like comparing the comets to the links or whatever. You know, how I, is it is it really possible to compare somebody who built the game up from 1972, you know, on to freaking 40 years later, um, basically to Gino, who did kind of come along when one pad already had it up and running. I don't know. You know, Gino, I can't give him, I can't fault him for his consistency is really amazing. You know, he's, he's just been consistent year in and year out for the most part. Um, you know, he produced his solid fundamental quality players who contribute at the pro level, just like you said. Um, but I don't know. I just think, you know, I, I'm always going to go with Pat because she really did found the whole situation. She's had a lasting in, uh, impact on all the women's lives that she, that ever came through her program. Um, her, her funeral last year was, was amazing. Like they filled a freaking entire, they filled Thompson bowling arena up. Um, you know, she just made such a huge impact on the game and her coaching tree is so huge. All so many, she turned out so many coaches, that are still coaching and just impacting so many lives. So I, I just have to give it to her for that. Wins wins are great and championships are great, but the impact you make on people's lives, if you ask any coach, that's what means the most to them. And so I think for that, I would ha- I just have to, I have to go with Pat. Yeah. I, and I, and you know, obviously I agree with that. I'm probably going to be a little bit uh, more uh, non-neutral than Sue is. Because, you know, me and Darren had an argument all the time, so he already knows <laughs> where I stand with this. So I can just say whatever I want. Volunteer um, Eric. <laughs> UT Eric. Oh, boy. <laughs> but um, I should, I should, I, I, I'm actually mad. I got I got to get more Tennessee gear, actually. Um, but anyway, beside the point, I think <clears> with, <throat> with Pat, you look at, where I where I really drew to her is that she started young, just like you know, you know me and Darren. You know she started really young. And she started basically right out of college. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, Eric. I will not. Hold up. <laughs> I will not stand. I will not stand by while you while you just put me and you in the same breath as Pat Summit. <laughs> that's not gonna. No, uh, I'm saying. No, I'm saying gonna... inspirationally. No, I'm not. I'm not saying we're in the same. No. No, never that. You said never just that. like no. me and Darren. Yeah. Right, starting as, as young kids, but not, <laughs> not, no, we're not on the same level. No, 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 no. Don't okay. get, let's not Conti- get that. Continue on. Confused. I'm not getting any no, angry that's more of a, on Twitter. <laughs> not, that's, 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 Go ahead. <laughs> that's more, no, no. When I, make, when I say that's more like in her inspiring me as, okay, I can do anything at any age. That's that's where I'm going okay. with that one. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. And that's tough to start out just basically coaching your your peers. I mean, you know, to go right out of school and to say, okay, I'm gonna be the head coach of something I just left. I'm gonna be the boss of something I just left and coach oh, yeah. the women my age and be, uh, uh, you know, you know, and you and you know, as a coach, man, you know, you got to be. Sometimes you got to be the, the, the uncle, the cousin, the father, the parent, whatever. And I had to be all that at at 22. And then and not to mention the – and then driving, oh. driving the van and washing the uniforms and putting up with crappy accommodations because that was the beginning of time and women didn't get 
anything, no money from the athletic department. That, and that speaks more to it. And she and, and I would say this, uh, Pat is a lot better person than me because I couldn't have done that <laughs> watching the uniforms and all that. See, she's a lot better person. Dang, we are. We are. No, we make the kids do it though. We don't. We don't. We don't really do that. We make the kids. Eric, me and you have been in. Me and you, especially in Indiana, (laughs) we don't always make. Okay, you know it's always some BS in Indiana, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Indiana's crazy. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But I mean, and to get. You know, she was probably one of the first ones to actually have a, a a real lucrative shoe deal with Adidas for a women's program and to be marketed as far as the Adidas sports campaign. It wasn't like, okay, we're just throwing money at you. No, we're going to make you a part of what we do. We're going to yeah. put you in our ads and stuff like that. And she was on the, on the cover of GQ. Mm-hmm. So I'm arguing more, for, more so from impact rather than basketball. Because we all know she's all-time winning as coach, men or women. I mean, yeah. she has more. Oh. I respect Coach K. Coach K is probably the greatest men's coach I've ever seen, but I would choose, in a heartbeat, I'm choosing Pat Summit over him. Sorry. No disrespect to all you Duke fans, and, you know, no, you know we don't want to lose any, any fans in Durham if you're listening, but, you know, that's just my opinion. I don't care losing fans. <laughs> <laughs> but. But, but, I mean – to see a woman that came from, like she just said, driving a bus, washing the uniforms to, you know, having a, a, a get them a, a Mercedes or some what was it a Mercedes some a fancy car for winning a championship, you know, and on the cover of GQ and all these other magazines, and not to mention she has a, a few Hall of Famers herself. Um, and she, she, they, they start, and they started out with nobody coming to the games, and then to be in the highest attended um, college program in the in the country. And then Pat Summit passed away, and she left a multi million dollar estate. Her son is in college doing his thing, but he never has to work again a day in his life if he doesn't want to. So she t- she built all that out of nothing. And that that's really my like that's really why I always say. You know, Pat Summit is my hero. Like that, I remember the first time seeing her coach. It was it was actually the infamous DePaul game, and I think it was '07. Candace Parker missed curfew, and you know, oh yeah, this is yeah, the homecoming. This is the homecoming for Candace mm-hmm. Parker. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows DePaul's in Chicago, and yeah. she shattered for the whole first half. And I was, Team you know, I was in me being. Be, you know, me being young and like I'm really tuning in. I'm tuning in to see Candace Parker. I'm not, I, you know, I'm I'm tuning in. I'm tuning in to see a good game because both teams are right. good at the time. But I, I want, you know, let's like everybody else. I want to see the stars play. So I'm expecting, you know, I, I didn't catch wind of it at all before the game. I'm tuning in to see Candace Parker, and for the first twenty minutes, you don't see Candace Parker. But that just shows, those are so, no matter if you were a future Hall of Famer or, you know, uh, a walk-on, you're going to get treated the same way, no matter what. Yeah, she she was definitely consistent in her administration um, of her program rules, that is for sure. 
and not to make this a a, a, a patch segment because it, it was like you know anybody listening, it seems like that's what we're you know making it. But one thing I will say, is, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, I'm saying this in the absolutely most positive, respectful way. Miss Summit was a little nuts. Was a little nuts. <laughs> I knew it has to be. Coach what? Summit was a little nuts. Uh, I don't know about that one. The good. No, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I'm gonna take a. I was reading her book, and yeah, I think they took they took a bad loss. They they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Played a a horrible game, and they're on a bus ride back to the hotel, and she stops the bus. She tells the driver, "Stop." They're they're in the middle. They don't know the city like that. You know, it's not like they're in Tennessee. They're on the road, and on the way back to the hotel. Stops the bus, says the bus driver stops, stops in the middle of the city, and she tells her players to get out, and they run like three miles. They just oh, got yeah. to win a whole 40-minute game. Well, they're if that's what you mean by nuts, then, like um, whatever, man. No, she just, that's just that. That's some stuff, I, that's some stuff, like, that's so next level, that's, that's yeah. Kobe, Jordan, that's, that, that's, you know Phil Jackson type stuff right there. No, that, they copied it from her. You got you got it backwards, bro. They copied it from her. No, I'm not saying they. I'm not saying they originated. But I'm just saying that's the level of how competitive she is that people don't know. Like to make that you know comparison to you know um, to bring it to life. That's 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 all out crazy. That's super dumb competitive. You you know who that yeah, sounds did, like. Um, I know what were you saying. Sue? Did did you guys read her books? Um, my favorite, probably my favorite book is Raise the Roof. Either one of y'all ever read Raise the Roof? You know, I actually just bought the hard copy of that because I can't read uh, books on Kindle. I've had it on Kindle for a while. <laughs> so this is but how this is how intense this is how intense Pat is. She says every after after um. After March, in April of every year, she has to go. She had to go take her rings to the jeweler because they were all flattened every year after her after her slamming her hand on the floor all, um, all season long. She's pretty intense. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Gold rings, gold oh. rings. Oh. <laughs> Um, you'll enjoy you'll um you'll enjoy the you'll enjoy the book because it goes into the the season with the three meeks Tamika Samika and Shamika. Oh, <laughs> that, hey, I, that that actually a great because I was thinking about you know me and Dan had a um a conversation I think like two weeks ago and we were talking about you know you know uh, past you know program you know programs you know past teams programs who had teams in the past who were great and you know once you mentioned the three meeks I automatically thought of one of their main nemesis which was La Tech. Oh yeah. And oh yeah we, we were talking about how La Tech La Tech back in the day that would have been a, a, a any any recruit if you know if you if you chose if you turned down Tennessee or, you know, a Virginia or UConn at that point, um you were turning them down for probably La Tech. Mm-hmm. And now La Tech is, it, it, I mean, girls nowadays wouldn't even know that. That La Tech They don't know that Louisiana Tech used to be good. Like, um, 
we um, in Michigan. I don't I don't know if you remember her, but Louisiana Tech had a, a player on their team. Who was it? I don't think she was like real prominent, but her name was Lisa Harvey. Um, and she had she had a, a really good uh, daughter who was maybe like I think Kaiser ranked as high as like top twenty at one point in time. Um, she mm-hmm. ended up going to Michigan, but but I'm like, wow, a Louisiana Tech graduate, you know, and this is kind of when everybody was still hype about Tyler Summit, and they were like, he's going to change the program a while, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was like, they couldn't even get, you know, she didn't even go on an unofficial visit, let alone an official visit. Like, you know, that that's just so crazy to me that, you know, all the other schools and other sports, like teams that haven't been good in years, they still get recruits off of, you know, history. Like the University of Michigan, their football team can be terrible. But, you know, kids just like the history. I love it. But when it comes to girls' basketball, um, those those kids, they don't really, you know, the, a lot of girls just don't know history. I talk to, I talk to my girls like, um, a lot about just who used to do what um, because – while Eric's team was playing in Louisville this year, Dawn Staley um, came and sat courtside and, and was watching yeah. um, the two teams play. And I was like, oh, yeah. my God, that's Dawn Staley over there. My girls looked mm-hmm. at me and said, who? <laughs> yeah. Said, who no, that? It's, actually, that, that topic is a sore subject for me as well, and it's something that uh, I'm going to work on and I'll in a new effort that I have going that I'll tell y'all about later, but it is highly irritating, isn't it? Yeah, they don't know anybody. I talked to one of the local D1 players here over last winter, and she didn't know who Shamika Holesclaw was. I was like, what the? How can you just, it was just, yeah. It's, it's bad. But, but also, and, and you can speak more about this because, um, you know, obviously I, I'm a man, but I think that, in, in women's basketball, there probably should be more representation of women in the media um, that cover women's basketball. I mean, and obviously, you know, I'm sitting there saying that is saying this is a man who covers just women's basketball, but yeah. I do think that I do think that if women were the ones who were doing more of it, and if you know, men were a minority um, as far as coach. Um, covering women's basketball, it might be a little bit more appealing um, to the younger women. I could not agree more, my friend, you know, and I don't know. I have tried, you know, I've had a few writers cycle through my website, and, um, you know, reliability is really hard to find. And then, yeah, women writers are really hard to find. It's usually I get the men, and then even if they start out, then they can't finish, and it's just like, I don't know, man. It's it's very frustrating right now. It seems like I, I'm thinking, and I almost tweeted that today, actually. It's funny you're bringing this up, but I almost tweeted because I tweeted about reliability this morning because I'm so tired of it. And then um, I almost put that up, too. I'm like, well, you want coverage, but nobody wants to help out. So I don't know. I would love to have some more women on board, but I'll, and I'll, but I'll take what I get, and usually it is the dudes. And so I'm just grateful for guys like you that pay attention and know the history and stuff because – that's obviously more than you can say for some of these people. It, yeah, and and 
you know, and it's weird, you know, because I, did, I honestly didn't know that I didn't know that that was a um, a real issue until like maybe this year, um, as far as the girls that are coming up and they're gonna aspire to be in the WNBA. You know, I didn't know that was a real issue that they didn't know anything about the WNBA. I before I started coaching, I just kind of assumed that you know girls weren't because I mean we know that attendance is kind of spotty for a lot of things, but I just assumed. You know, girls were keeping tabs on it. Their favorite college players, you know, they'll check in and see. But no, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not happening. And I think, I think that's because you know you have a lot of prominent women in the media covering the NBA, the NFL, and they don't make it a point to say, hey, this is going on in WNBA as well. And I know that's hard when you're working for the machine um, and, and that you know a bigger company. Um, that has mm-hmm. more control over your content. Um, but I do think it, it should probably be a point with the more prominent figures in the media uh, that are women. Well, that's a good point, my friend. And, you know, women are always, it seems like the female sports broadcasters are always seeking these days to, quote, unquote, move up. And for them, that means cover men's sports or cover football or something like that. Like, that's the big prize or, like, you know how everybody was was asking Pat at one point, do you, don't you want to go co- coach men's basketball? Like that was a big, better thing to do, you know? So we probably need mm-hmm. to get rid of that stigma in society for people to be thinking, oh, this is better than that type of a, type of a thought process, you know? Right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, of course. And one other thing like that, you know, and this really kind of – grinds my gears and me and Darren probably had this conversation like every every other week is you know the whole mm-hmm. you know the the, the um the whole thing of the prominent um male reporters or you know you know sports personalities or whatever they always say oh you know you know who's gonna win there's no point basically in so many words there's no point in watching the women's game because in WNBA, you know the Lynx are going to win. In, in, in the in the college ranks, you know UConn's going to win by fifty. You know, and, it, mm. and I well, that's not true. Win. That's definitely not true anymore after this year. So what are they saying after this year? Hmm. It's still more. To, it's still more of the same. But I think that that's a real problem because you know a lot of young girls really watch some of these programs or listen to you know some of these programs that these guys are on. And it's also messed up that their women counterparts or, you know, the uh, women that help them host the show or that's on the show with them follow suit. And I think a young girl seeing another woman say, well, there's no point in watching the women's game, I think that's very detrimental. Wow. I wasn't aware they were saying stuff like that. That's crazy. Oh, oh yeah, that's – I mean, that's constant. That's constant. There's, and I, I think I've – Posted the same tweet a, a million times. Like, well, if UConn was bad, it's bad for the women's game. Then what was UCLA back in the day? Uh, yeah. UCLA men's when John, you know. But you know, it, and I guess we could talk about a million things wrong with with you know women's sports. But uh, I mean, not women's sports, like or the coverage of it and how it's being publicized. But you know, I think, and this is just me. Um, I don't know. I don't even think I've said this to Eric before in our many conversations. But I do feel like um, the product of women's basketball 
um, just as far as the things that, that women are showing that they can do on the court is the best that it has been um, since I've, you know, since I've been watching women's basketball. And that's been yeah. since, like, I was four or five. Um, and true. I think that's going to, I think that's going to really probably skyrocket things a lot um, as far as, you know, people tuning in and watching. Um, because, you know, gir- girls are starting to, to see, like, oh, I see Jordan kind of the, you know, attempt a dunking game or, you know, or, or somebody, nah, I'm about to go and get in the gym and do that because, and I'm going to tune in to see what they're doing. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that the negatives are going to kill women's basketball because, you know, it's, it's already survived a lot of things the WNBA has. But I do think um, the product is, is going to erase a lot of those negatives. Yeah, and and also, guys, to be fair, too, you know, we've taken a lot of steps backwards in society, and so I'm optimistic yeah. that as we continue to go forward, you know, that people's consciousness will raise again to the level that it once was because it's just a matter of time. We can't stay down forever. People are becoming more aware now, you know, as far as civil rights and, and things like that and uh, women's rights, and so I think we just have to stay optimistic and keep grinding. People need to stop making comparisons between the men, the women's game and the men's game, um, for one thing. Um, people need to respect women and all the things that they can do. I, I don't even know. It's it's such a big issue, guys. Like it's so we could probably talk it's about so it. It, it, it. We could talk <laughs> about it for the next two hours. But and like who and where and why did it get started this way? This way, I don't know. I just see that it's kind of. You know, as we've gotten into this conservative era in our country that we've taken steps backwards, and so that means we just bash everybody, and so women are getting bashed too, and oh yeah, you're just you're just a female athlete and da 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 and whatever, whatever, whatever. I don't know. I think people really do know better than that, and uh, we just need to keep pushing it and uh, staying behind our game. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, because so, speaking of one of those positive steps as you know you wind out this interview the 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 craze over the now the WBA is going to feature on the video game oh man yes that's so that's so fun you know what y'all i have never um played a sports video game but i'm going to try this one it looks like fun i you know it, it's so crazy because i'm really an nba 2k person but i'm getting nba live just so i, so I can see what it's about um, and yeah, when it was man. announced, my my sister my sister called me, um, and her her and my brother in law, um, Jarvis Mitchell, very friends of the show. Shout out to y'all. Um, but you know, I talked to her and um, and it was just so crazy because she was like, "Yo, this is this is something new." She is she's like because we're both NBA 2K people. We lived together mm-hmm. for about four to five years. And all we mm-hmm. did, like, every night was play NBA 2K. So I'm like, are you getting a new 2K? She, she's like, no, I'm, I'm getting live. So, you know, I really hope it's a positive experience. Um, I, I hope that, you know, the game is doing right by um, the athletes, you know, as far as, um, you know, compensation and everything. And, um, you know, I hope it can continue. Yeah, um, I hope so, too. So, I want to go and I want to feel like what it's like to be, like, 6'5". I want to see what that's like. Maybe I'll even throw it down. We'll see. <laughs> Man, definitely. Oh, you know, as we wind down the show, I just want 
because um, how long have you been covering the, the you know women's basketball this year? Um, you know, as a as a fan, you know, it's been since way before both of you came around. But as as far as covering the game as a media, media person, uh, since 2008, so okay. it has been a fun so, fun ride, and it will be continue to be so. <laughs> in, in your um in your time as a media person, and you know, I just told Eric the Fever versus the Lynx was probably one of the best regular season games that I've watched, like, not that. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, on Sunday, huh? Yeah, that was fun. Yes. What is that moment that you can think of where you was like, I don't know if it can get better than this? (laughs) Oh, my God, that's a great question. That's a fun question. Um, I would say, let's see, one, one of those, there's probably a couple, but one of those was in 2003 when the shock shocked the Sparks and, and um, won the title and kept them from getting a three-peat. That was just shocking. Like, nobody – that was the Shock's first title. No, And I'm not trying to make a pun, by the way, it, but it was shocking. And, and nobody really – everybody just thought the Sparks were going to get that win, and, and they pulled it out. They Cheryl Ford made those three throws. They did it. And it was – I was in a sports bar, and people were just screaming, like literally screaming, losing their minds like they could not believe it. So that was one. Um and then I think my I think my favorite shoot it's hard to pick though. I think I'd tie for my favorite final series was probably in two thousand twelve when the fever did beat the Lynx and then also the two thousand nine when the Mercury beat the fever and they took it to all five games. Um I guess those are probably some moments where I was like, Man, are you serious? Is this for real for real? <laughs> <laughs> Man. So Sue, thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, man, you know, it was great talking to you. Um, can you tell hey, thanks so much for having me. Follow me on Twitter. No problem. Yes, you can, can, you, uh, you can follow me on twitter.com slash hoopism, H-O-O-P-I-S-M, and you can check out our website at womenshoopsworld.com. And um, thanks again so much for having me, fellas. It's been fun. Man, thank you so much. It was an honor to talk to you. Hey, great deal. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll do it again sometime, okay? Yeah, right. I can change, now I can change my name finally. <laughs> okay. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't, man, I'm going to go Ricky Bell on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Have a good night. All right, sis. You too. Take care. That was Sue. That was Sue Favors, everybody. One of the best, like I said, one of the best media people covering um, women's sports. That, hey, that is a great, that is a great hour of discussion. <laughs> listen, that's man. Listen, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna download this episode like to my computer, so I will always have this. Yeah, I'm because, downloading. You know, I'm downloading this too. Once that once that bag gets secured, I can't tell y'all. Can't tell y'all if the, if the audio will still be on blog talk. Can't tell y'all that. Hint, hint, it might not be. <laughs> but yeah, so, said all of that to say, we're in a really good place, man. I, I, first off, because um, we only got like three minutes left on the show. Um, thank you everybody who has made us 
the number one one of the number one college and high school shows on Blog Talk Radio. That's listen. When 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 Lisa Wasso gave us uh, the title of the voice of women's basketball, I couldn't imagine that things would pop up like this. <laughs> We're really we are really becoming the voice of women's basketball, doing it at all three levels, um, high school, college, and pro. Um, shout out to everybody who's tuning in. Shout out to everybody who's watching that mixtape or those mixtapes. And shout out to everybody who's going to buy the Last Second Shot magazine. Um, that's huge, man. Listen, the magazine is going to be... It's going to be hoop girls on steroids. I, I said it there. I said it. We're, we're going to take what hoop girls started off with. We're going to, we're going to turn that, we're going to turn it up a few notches. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to get that pop into y'all. Me and Eric, me and, me and Eric have been in the lab just really, really, um, trying to lock in and, and, and get that, get a great product for you. We're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get anything mediocre out. It's not gonna be, you know, like we did it in our living room out of construction paper. <laughs> we, we're gonna get something, we're gonna get something premium out to y'all. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's gonna be, it's gonna be real nice. Yeah, and so um, also shout out to the athletes who have been been really embracing us um, with the retweets. Um, you know what I'm saying? The favors. We, we see all of y'all. Um, I really, we're really going to work on maybe getting some uh, some college athletes on the show, some some women hoopers on the show um, in, in the coming months or so leading up to the start of the college season. Um I got a few people in mind, actually. Few people. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Eric has a few people too. Um, yeah, maybe a couple. But if there's, is there any other people we have to shout out? Anybody we have to acknowledge? Um, I can't think of any specifically. But, you know, like you said, shout out to the athlete. Um, shout out to, you know, everybody watching the tapes and everything like that. Um, and shout out, you know, just shout out to everybody who who been riding with us, like not just in viewing us, but all, like just offering their constant support, whether it's through text, yeah. calls, in person when we talk, anything like that. Those things really mean a lot to us. Like we y'all really don't know how much we appreciate that. When we had our first season, I can never imagine this, man. <laughs> I can never imagine this off the first season, man. You crazy for this one, Rick? <laughs> man. <laughs> so, me and Eric gonna get out of here, man. Um, y'all be blessed, man. We gonna talk to y'all next week. Yo, I just watched the Puff Daddy movie this morning. And I'm gonna just leave it like this: can't stop, won't stop. I'm a savage. 